everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will examine how investor sentiment has been translating to recent market activity and valuations, along with how investors should be thinking about growth versus value in today's environment. So joining me here on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Jason Dreho, Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Jason, Good morning to you. Hope you had a nice weekend. Welcome back to the podcast and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Tim. Good morning. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, Jason, to get things started, looking over the past few weeks, we have seen some upside momentum in markets. Sentiment seems to be positive. So we're mindful of vaccination progress here in the U.S. That seems to be moving in the right direction. We're also witnessing exorbitant fiscal relief out of Washington with possible more relief to come down the pike in the not-too-distant future and also taking into account an accommodative Fed. So based on all of those elements, Jason, how much optimism do you believe is currently priced into markets? Well, I think a fair amount. Uh, an investor's sentiment certainly would indicate some bullishness. But I think compared to where we were back in the January, February timeframe, some of the kind of excesses and extreme you know, evidence of some frothiness and bubble-like activity in the market, I think that's definitely kind of dialed back in a way that it leads, leads the market, I think, to be you know, optimistic, but perhaps a little bit healthier than it was even you know, kind of three months ago. Uh, and we can see that if you look at you know some things like you know SPACs or IPOs, you know that that definitely showed signs of you know profitness. Uh, you know those markets have have cooled off in a way. I think that that's you know more sustainable. Uh, we've seen some growth stocks you know that were you know great beneficiaries of you know the work from home trades that you know did very well last year. You know they've kind of dialed back in terms of their expectations. If you look at the markets overall, like equity markets, you know valuations are not cheap, but they're definitely you could say kind of on the full perspective. But when we put in the context of where interest rates are, the 10-year being at 1.65%, very strong growth that we're going to see in the second quarter, 10 plus percent for the year, potentially 8 plus percent. And, you know, earnings growth that could be 25 to 30% this year, I think you add that all up. You know, equity valuations don't seem kind of extreme. You know, when you consider all that, consider the policy support. So a lot of optimism. I think, you know, a fair amount of it is justified. Uh, you know, some of the extreme excessiveness is, was, is kind of dialed back a little bit. Um, but you do worry, and you always have to be careful that you know people don't get complacent uh, and, and not be aware. There's still definitely some some risk down the pipeline. So, Jason, you mentioned growth versus value. I do want to spend a few more moments on that topic a bit later in the conversation. But again, reiterating the fact that we are moving in the right direction with vaccination rates here in the U.S., taking into account the current fiscal policy direction. The question becomes: Well, what can go wrong at this point? So, you mentioned complacency. That's an interesting word. So, what? What might derail, disrupt the momentum and risk assets at this point, Jason? Well, there's two factors that could really be notable disruptions for the markets. One is on the, the pandemic front and the other is on policy. On the pandemic, I think there's there's great optimism as we continue to roll out at a pretty rapid clip in the U.S., the number of daily vaccinations. You know, on Saturday, it was 4.6 million, uh, sort of a record high. And the, the seven-day you know, moving average is around 3.1 million vaccination shots per day. So that's moving along very well. I think you know, this should start to materialize, you know, perhaps in another month or two of clear decline in the number of cases. Right now, they're kind of flatlining. And I think part of that is, this is where the risk comes in. We've seen in some parts of the country, such as Michigan and maybe the upper Midwest, where cases are actually elevating uh, and rising. And part of that is due to certain strains that are, are now becoming more, much more dominant, like the UK strain, potentially the, the South American strain. There's a possibility that, you know, maybe the, the vaccination process 
you know, doesn't get us to full herd immunity. The number of cases still stays elevated, and the hopes that this could be fully kind of, you know, the pandemic could truly kind of be over by, say, at some point in the summer or late late summer, perhaps that's optimistic. And so the reopening that we'd expect that may not be as, as you know go as planned. So that that's still a risk. And if we look at what's happened in some other countries, like you know Canada, for example, where cases are actually now almost the same level they were in January as some of these variants spread before vaccinations take hold. I think that's just a good indicator of, of the potential risk. On the policy side, I think the key one is really the Fed is the most important policy variable you know, going forward. Uh, Jay Powell and other Fed officials have been very adamant in recent weeks, and, and even last night, Jay Powell was on 60 Minutes sort of you know, trying to you know, push back on any sort of narrative that they may be looking to tighten policy at all this year. Uh, and as, as we start to get in higher inflation numbers as soon as tomorrow, then I think that will, you know, the, there's a risk that the data could be so strong that the Fed has to start to change course a little bit. Uh, and that could certainly, you know, spook the markets, uh, cause rates to go higher. And if it does, then we can see some pullback in equities. I think, you know, that, it, that would be more of a temporary phenomenon as opposed to a real sign that the Fed is ag- as aggressively tightening. So even as a risk, I think that's more of a, a, you know, sizable speed bump, but a speed bump, not a complete derailment of, of the recovery and the rally. So the policy, the pandemic, a couple of risk areas to be mindful of. On the latter, we've been hearing about an uptick in cases in India and Brazil as well. So still very much with us, and we need to be mindful of what could that bring in terms of economic relapses as well. So thank you for walking us through that, Jason. Now, near term, the Q1 reporting season is closely on the horizon. I'm curious, Jason, from your vantage point, will investors be more focused on the quarterly results or forward-looking guidance? Well, it's going to be a combination of both. Uh, you know, expectations are, are strong for the first quarter, uh, but we you know we've had two very strong quarters, you know, far in exceeding expectations. So I think the, the kind of consensus number is around 20% earnings growth. I think the, the hope would be, or kind of the, the whisper number might be you know, notably higher than that. Uh, so there is scope for, you know, if it's not a blow, blowout quarter, some disappointment. I think what investors will be looking at is, and this kind of ties in both the forward guidance and sort of the actual numbers, um, you know, is evidence of, you know, you know, pipeline pressures building up, supply pressures, you know, being an issue, input prices rising. We've seen just last week the producer price index was, you know, beat expectations. The concern is that if this happens, does it put a real strain on margins? So we know revenue should be strong. There's, you know, that's tied closely to economic growth. But if the input costs are rising, is that going to be a significant headwind to earnings growth? So I think sort of guidance on, you know, on how this actually played out in the first quarter, as we've seen some of those costs rise, what is the impact? And therefore, what does that mean going forward for the margins? Because that's clearly you know, very important for the earnings outlook for the rest of the year. Um, so I think, you know, the actual data, but also the, the commentary and guidance from companies in terms of how that's impacting margins uh, in real time, I think is going to be critical. And then that kind of flows into, I think, the outlook for the rest of this year in terms of what kind of earnings, you know, the companies expect, how these costs, you know, should materialize, whether they too believe it's sort of transitory, and after the second quarter, once some of these supply bottlenecks you know, peter out and get resolved, you know, do they expect sort of margin expansion to continue to be strong and revenue growth to be strong? So it's a mix of, I think, of, you know, giving context of what's happening, you know, what are the, the pain points for, for earnings going higher, and then what is the overall outlook? I think that's kind of what investors are looking for collectively. Thank you for that, Jason. I know we're just a few days away from the big banks reporting to kick off the Q1 reporting season, so I'm sure we'll talk about earnings over the course of the next month or so in future podcasts. Maybe one additional topic we can cover today, so revisiting growth versus value with return to normal momentum playing out, as you mentioned a bit earlier in the podcast, we've actually seen growth stocks perform better recently than cyclical sectors. So, Jason, what do you make of that and what should investors do in response? So, 
So it's really been a market this year of a replacing trade where you've seen you know, rates go higher, inflation expectations go higher, more cyclical value stocks have done well. But recently, you know, for the past month, but certainly even for the past you know, two weeks since the start of April, we've seen a, a pause in that trade. So, so think of it as like the rate inflation trend has gone on spring break. I think the question then is, is this just a temporary pause that will resume, or is there some real now kind of shifting of the market kind of drivers and you know and how the the performance plays out from here? I think some of what has, has happened you know, most recently is after a very strong run, it's it's reasonable to get a bit of pullback. Uh, you know, year to date, the Russell 1000 value index is up around 13.5% total return for growth at 6.5%. So we put that in context. Value has done well for this period of time, and that was true, you know, for the last fall as well. Same thing like small cap stocks, they had outperformed large by, you know, 30 to 40 percentage points going back from last summer up until, you know, you know, mid-March. So getting some sort of pullback is, you know, is reasonable. Even in the past, you know, week or two when we've seen growth outperform a little bit, it's definitely benefited by you know, interest rates and treasury yields actually dying back a little bit. You know, one of the big catalysts and really the biggest market driver this year has been the rise in rates. The 10-year treasury yield is up around 75 basis points. And when a big chunk of that move happened in sort of February into March, that's when we saw value really outperform growth, like some of the growth stocks that were really kind of you know impacted by rates. They they were down, and we saw value actually rally. Financials do well in that environment. Over the past week, you know, since the beginning of April, uh, yields on the treasuries are down slightly. I mean, we're we're talking maybe five to basis points, but that sort of stabilization of rates and the view that rates will probably stay kind of relatively steady for at least a little while has given some comfort to investors in the growth space. But they don't have to worry about another big leg higher in rates that would be a headwind for, for that market. So I think part of what we're seeing is a bit of rebalancing after these, these pretty sizable moves across both equities and fixed things for the past six months. Uh, you know, there's also a little bit of concerns about you know, outside of the U.S., uh, you know, the, the recovery, given that, say, for Europe, they actually had to reimpose some lockdowns because of the vaccination rates for rising. That's up one I mentioned earlier. Um, the vaccine rollout has been uh, has been uh, much slower outside of the U.S., outside of the U.K., but that's, I think, starting to change. We're seeing an inflection point in, in Europe in terms of the number of cases is starting to decline, and we should see a, a really significant ramp-up in vaccinations and, and other developed markets you know, in the, in the next two months to, to really kind of close the gap to the U.S. So we add this all up. I think you know, near-term, there's still a little bit of, I think, market direction could be challenged. I think on a six-month horizon, we still think that you know, the aspects of the the value trade should still be there. But I think for now, the, the market's probably a little more focused on earnings, a little more micro-based as opposed to macro, at least for the next couple of weeks as the earnings season kicks off. Well, Jason, thank you for joining us on the podcast this morning to provide your take on the recent market momentum and the factors at play that have been fueling it, along with the risks to be mindful of and the growth versus value dynamic, what we've been seeing there as of late. Very interesting analysis. So, Jason, I thank you again for your time, insight, and wish you a great week ahead. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. And again, today we have been joined by Jason Dreho, Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topic or receive a copy of any of the publications or blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market 
Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.